Hi, I'm Vivian Wang, co-founder of the Wiser Podcast, where we continue to have discussions about women in surgery with Emory surgeons, in addition to interviewing surgeons beyond our local community. This month of December is double the fun at Wiser, as we'll be releasing two episodes. Before we dive into our first one, we wanted to extend a big thank you to you, our listeners, for your generous and swift support of our Season 3 fundraising campaign. If you haven't yet donated to receive your Wiser lapel pins, face masks, and tote bags, or if you simply want to buy some more, don't worry. Our GoFundMe link is still up and active. You can find the link in the episode bio or on our website, wiserpodcast.com. And be on the lookout for updates in the near future with new Wiser gear options. Thank you again. Today we have an interview with Dr. Gabriela Velasquez, who did her general surgery residency here at Emory, then went to University of Florida for her vascular surgery fellowship, and is now a faculty member at Wake Forest Health, in addition to being the vascular fellowship director. This episode is hosted by Amanda Faubert, a current vascular fellow at Emory, and Jessica Liu, director of Wiser. They talk about Dr. Velasquez's incredible journey to becoming a vascular surgeon and forming a family while taking on the challenges of a loved one's unexpected cancer diagnosis. This episode was edited by Rachel Slappy and produced by Alex Speak. I was born and raised in Mexico City and then my family and I moved to Guadalajara. So that's where I did med school and when I was in my last year of med school, I did a couple of away rotations at Emory. I really liked the way things were there. I was looking forward for great training and, you know, things in Mexico were great too, but I was, you know, looking for something else. I ended up starting actually as a preliminary year. You know, I was at the right time at the right place and Dr. Dodson and Dr. Delman were instrumental in my training. Really, I will always forever be grateful for them to opening the door for me. So do you want to talk a little bit about how you got into medicine or how you selected medicine and then ultimately surgery? In Mexico, we have this way where we actually don't do college. We, after high school, you just go to whatever you think you're going to do. When I was in high school, we did some like field trip to meet with some of the transplant surgeons. And I was really impressed by that. I felt like throughout my med school, I always felt like I wanted to be a transplant surgeon or something related. I just felt like when I was in my surgery rotations, it felt like I was in the right place. And then ultimately, how did you decide on vascular surgery as a specialty? So I think a combination of things for sure. One of them was Dr. Dodson. He was just kind of like the ultimate image of a kind of fine surgeon. You know, his partners were also the same. So I always looked up to them and say, well, I want to be like that. Also, vascular surgery is one of those specialties. Obviously, I love it and I will do it every time. I think it allows you to be so creative. We really get to operate everywhere in the body except for brain, heart and lungs. We do endovascular procedures and ligament procedures. And most importantly, you really have this longitudinal relationship with your patients. Do you think it was more difficult to pursue a male-dominated specialty or subspecialty within surgery? So I wouldn't particularly say difficult, maybe a little bit more challenging to put yourself out there and to prove yourself and make sure that they knew that you're as capable as any other candidate. I mean, I've been in several situations where, you know, I may be the only woman or maybe the only Hispanic woman, for example. 
thankfully things are changing and I think in a good way and we have great female mentors but we also have great male mentors too so I think identifying that and having self-awareness of the problems and the lack of diversity or you know gender diversity and makes it so that we can try to recruit more and more medical students you know so the residents and so forth to join the workforce. I absolutely agree. I think even just the the presence of women in the department, you know, for us having Dr. Shrinivasan, Dr. Virginia Schaefer, Dr. Russell, and having all these women not necessarily do any particular branch of outreach, but just by existing and being phenomenal surgeons and phenomenal role models sort of gives us permission to to do that as well and to sort of aim to become them moving forward. When I joined Wake Forest, I was the first faculty women to join the department. Here I am, a 5'1", loud Mexican woman who <laughs> comes to the Southeast in North Carolina. That was a little bit of a shocker, like in a, in a good way. That really has allowed me to be able to entice more women, more medical students, more residents into one, going to our specialty or just pursue surgery overall. So to your point of having just women faculty around that are making it and that are working really hard and that setting a good example and good role models for you, really, really uh, takes you far. I know you have a gorgeous baby girl. Can you please talk a little bit about how it's been being a vascular surgeon and also how you're making it work with your family? I think that the first thing you have to think of is like it's never going to be the right time. So it just really works differently for everyone. I'm sure that you've been told that. So when I came to the U.S., really, I wasn't thinking of like having a family right then. I think like I was very career focused. I met my husband, actually, at Grady. He's an interventional cardiologist. So that was really helpful knowing that he kind of could understand what I was doing. And he had always been my biggest fan and my biggest supporter. So I think we both were really respectful and supportive of our careers, but also understanding that we needed to nourish our relationship. Fellowship was tough. I wasn't really even thinking of, you know, having a kid at that time. You know, once I started my attendingship, I guess, I started realizing that family is something really big and important for me. I always had the fears as to if that was going to work, just given that we were so busy and had all these other academic responsibilities that I really enjoyed. I think one of the mistakes that we make is trying to always think that there's a balance, that there's always got to be a 50-50 on everything, you know? So the truth of the matter is you can't even have a 50-50 in a relationship because sometimes your partner is going to need you 80% and they may do 20 and vice versa. Year four of my attendingship, I got pregnant. It was a great surprise. But I will say one of the most challenging things that I've encountered on part of my journey was that when I was seven, eight months pregnant, my husband was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma. That was super scary, of course. Thankfully, I was surrounded by a wonderful community of my partners. And I remember one day I had this very big case the day after my husband was going to have his first oncology appointment. I was just not being able to focus on that patient in that case. And the day before I called the patient and I said, I'm sorry, but I have two options for you. I'm going through some family issues and I'm only human and I apologize for that. But, you know, one, either one of my partners can do it or we can reschedule you. He totally understood. And, and I was, I'm grateful for that because sometimes I know that patients think that we are superhuman. While my husband was starting uh, chemotherapy, I disconnected. And that was one of the biggest blessings, honestly, to have the support to be able to do that. Having that experience going through that journey has really made me a different person as to how to put things in perspective. That really made me appreciate not just my job and, and how much passion I have for it and how much passion I have for mentorship, but also taking in perspective how I want my life to be with my family and how 
am I going to blend them together, not balance them, not, you know, making it perfect or blending it. You know, thankfully, we were, we were lucky. My husband is in remission, has been in remission now for a few months. My daughter is, you know, great and fun. And I will say that you need community. You need your uh, co-surgeons, your co-friends, your co-vascular surgeons helping you around so that you don't feel like you're failing because I think we do that to ourselves very often. You know, this is a topic that a lot of our medical students and residents even are interested in is, you know, how you had a baby and during your time as a junior faculty member, did you worry about your career trajectory? You do encounter situations in which being pregnant is going to prevent you from you know, maybe increasing your case volume or doing specific cases and not just and not because you don't want to do them or you can't do it just because the perception of you not being able to do it is, is out there. Unfortunately, I was very, very aware of that situation. And I tried to make sure that I wasn't, you know, asking for like extra time off. My partners are great. So if I needed to, you know, they would have done it. So I think that what helped me a lot is that once I got into a situation in which I needed to be there for my husband, they all pitched in. I didn't even have to ask. I think that I'm in a very inclusive environment myself in the sense that I never felt underestimated or that I never felt like I was perceived as non-qualified by my colleagues. That being said, it was not the same by the patients, especially the ones that I didn't have a relationship with already. Also, I feel like a lot of uh, residents feel like they got to be there all the time, you know, especially because um, they hear these stories of, you know, oh, you know, she was like nine months pregnant, about to deliver, and she was doing a rupture AAA. As bad as, as we are and as hardworking as we are and as, as you know, go-getters and resilient and all that, we are also human. So you just got to really reach out when you absolutely need to. It sounds like you had a great community of partners who would volunteer to do the case in your stead if, if the patient needed it done quickly. Can you talk about how you chose Wake and how, how you identified people just through an interview that would be good partners for you moving forward, especially as your first attending job out of fellowship? So I kind of knew a couple of people and, you know, and Matt Career was one of my mentors as well, sort of like my big brother. So I figured if he was asking me to come, that it would be a good thing. I honestly came and I fell in love with it almost immediately in the sense that, and I knew it was a good group, that they were really cohesive. The healthcare system, you know, like every healthcare system has its flaws, but for the most part serves the community. And honestly, I was interested in bringing diversity to the place as well. So instead of being a deterrent for me, it was sort of a, a challenge in a good way where I embraced my, you know, my minority status and took advantage of it. And they were, and they embraced it as well. They welcomed me and, and it has been a wonderful journey. What do you think we can do both as residents, as women in surgery, and especially vascular surgery, what do you think we can do to increase recruitment of both women, of underrepresented minorities? So I actually think there's a lot of ways that medical schools are doing now, including our residency here or medical school here, like starting with interest groups. Also, we have the Student National Association for Medical Students and so forth that they also gather to do life balance panels. And they actually are doing really a great job about inviting female surgeons into their panels and just talk about their specialties. 
every time I have someone in our rotation, I always let them know it's totally doable. It's so much fun and I will do it every time. Earlier, I think one of the main deterrents is this misconception and not being able to have a family while doing surgery. And I think it's the same thing for many specialties, not just vascular surgery. So we have to forget that. You can always make it work. It's going to be challenging at times. It's going to be wonderful at times, but that should never be in the way of pursuing your dreams of being a surgeon. Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved with outreach in underserved communities? I've been doing yearly panels with them or like sessions with high school students, with uh, college students, and even uh, medical students of minorities. I always felt very passionate about it because one of the main things I really miss from home is not being able to see people like me a lot. So even though I love the fact that the U.S. is so heterogeneous in terms of their population, we in here in North Carolina is not so evident. So I always felt like I had a duty to make that happen. I've been really involved with the Latino Medical Association, with the National Student Medical Association as well, that get other stuff with the American women surgeons, as well as the students for like the American Medical Association. Just little things that you can do is just, you know, get into these panels and talk to students and encourage them. So I think one of the big things for those in underserved communities or those students in minorities at any level is the fact that they don't see people looking like you, so they feel disconnected. And that's sort of what I've been trying to do, try to be encouraging and just show them that, you know, one, it can be done and also kind of show them the ways as to how they can be connected to others. Tell us about some of your best mentors and then have you had any mentors that are like you, meaning female, Hispanic? Do you feel like that's important to have people that look like you or do you feel like the mentorship can be anybody? I don't want to say it's the most important thing to find someone that you can relate to, but I think it helps. I would say that my journey is really similar to a lot of people that came from Mexico or from other, you know, Central American or South American uh, countries. So it helps you for the other person that you are trying to mentor or for you that you are trying to be a mentee to kind of open up and say, oh, you know what I'm talking about and you've had the same feelings. And for that reason, I think we can talk. That being said, I don't think that is the most important thing by, by any means. Two of my main mentors as soon as I got into the U.S. was Dr. Delman and Dr. Dodson, and they don't look anything like me. But it was sort of the interactions and the advice and, you know, the opportunity that really allowed me to get to know them better and to just really feel that they were as important as a mentor as my mentors back in medical school in Mexico were. I think that the most important thing is to be open and allow that other person that is sitting across this show you what is it that they're willing to share with you. Because I think making that connection is what makes a difference. So if we switch just a little bit, in life beyond surgery, what are your hobbies and interests? All right. Well, I love hiking, which, you know, North Carolina happens to be a great place to do that. My husband and I have always loved traveling. So we made it a thing of once a year, at least do like a big traveling trip that will involve hiking. Obviously, right now with the COVID pandemic, it's not a thing. And I really love reading thriller mysteries. We always like to ask, what accomplishment are you most proud of sort of in your work life? And then what accomplishment are you most proud of in your non-work life? I am proud of many things. I take even little accomplishments as a big deal, actually. You know, one, coming from Mexico, after many people told me that I was not going to be able to be a surgeon in the U.S., 
having a great career with a lot of leadership opportunities. The fact that I've been able to uh, inspire other med students and residents to do what we do. I guess I don't look at like one big thing. So like even, you know, even when I did a hard case that I really struggled with or that I was dreading and it went out well, I'm really proud of that. Or I'm really proud with my students getting to the residence they went or when my partners do great with something. So I basically feel really accomplished almost every day. Do you have a favorite general surgery operation and a favorite vascular surgery operation? One of my favorite vascular surgery operations are aortobifens because I feel like you treat sort of like occlusive disease, but sometimes with aneurysmal disease. And I just really love the conduction of it. And it could be really complex and sometimes could be just really straightforward. And in terms of general surgery, let's see. I think I really enjoyed doing like right colectomies for some reason. I think it was like fun to do that, but like I didn't like the laparoscopic ones, just the open ones. I think we only have a few more questions left. One of them is, what is the most important attribute that you think a surgeon needs? Resilience is a major attribute, and I think we can grow it. You know, a lot of us may not be born with it. A lot of us may have born with a lot of resilience, but I think it's something that we can work on every day and try to teach others. That strength that is within you and that resilience is what's going to get you through. So left and right resilience for sure. The last question that we always ask is, do you have any parting advice for young surgeons? I would say be honest with yourself and be resilient. You know, when you are out there asking for advice, be aware of what are your needs and what are your passions. Don't take on things or do things because you think that's how you're going to please others. Wonderful. Well, thank you for spending a little bit of the afternoon with us. We truly appreciate it. Of course, it was fun. Thanks for tuning in to today's Wiser podcast. Hope you join us next time for another great interview. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Wiser Podcast or send us an email at wiserpodcast at gmail.com to join our email newsletter list. Thanks for your support and we hope to hear from you soon.